This is a special edition of the Tattooed Historian Show. My name is John. I am the Tattooed Historian. Today, we are talking with Neil Orford about a fantastic tour that I'm going to be on in October of this year, Northumbria to Normandy, Canadians Walking with History. This is going to be a fascinating tour, an amazing one. I mean, I am so excited for this. It's a 15-day fall excursion featuring Hadrian's Wall, the amazing city of York, and medieval and even modern Normandy. We're going to go over hundreds of years of history, and I'm so excited to be a tour historian on this tour. I wanted to get Neil on here to discuss it because it's very important that you understand what this tour is and how you can be a part of it. Neil is a retired history teacher from Dufferin County, Ontario. He's won both the Governor General's and Ontario Premier's Award for History Teaching. His Digital Historian Project, which he's going to go over, won the 2015 Government of Canada History Award. He's been featured on the CBC's The National, TVO's The Agenda, numerous articles. The guy's been everywhere, really, and he's a, a great friend of mine an amazing uh, ally and collaborator with me. And I am just so excited to have the opportunity to join him and other historians on this trip that you can be a part of. This will be an amazing experience and I'm so happy to have Neil on to discuss it. This is our talk about this amazing tour through canhist.ca. I'll put a link in the description so you can click on it and get more information but there are a couple slots left you're going to want to check it out here we go Neil, it's so good to talk with you again about historical stuff and especially about this amazing tour that's coming up in October this year. How are you? I'm good, John, and uh, welcome to Canada. I'm just so happy you're uh, you're you're with us uh, up here this side of the border. I'm happy too. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm very happy to be here, and it's so great to be amongst colleagues who wish to collaborate and uh, don't don't see the competitive side of things. They just want to collaborate and cooperate, which I feel is the best way to do all of this, especially yeah. when we are working so hard to bring history to life for so many people. So it's a great place to be right now. Oh, that's super, John. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, this is going to be spectacular. I'm really excited about uh, what the future holds for Can Hist and for you and for the team uh, that you're putting together for this particular tour that we're going to be going over. I really think there's a lot of potential here uh, for future stuff, and we'll go over that as well. Uh, but Neil, uh, you you had uh, a lot of background with Defining Moments Canada, and I believe that we need to go over that in, in detail to start off to let people know that there's a solid foundation to this in Defining Moments Canada and Can Hist. So can you give the listeners a little bit of background on Defining Moments Canada and Can Hist itself? Sure. Oh, appreciate it. Um... I mean, the first thing to say is, you know, I was a teacher for most of my career, well, for all of my career. Um, so I was in the classroom for more than 30 years. Um, and the, you know, the arc of of the teaching career is such an interesting one. And in my case, you know, I went from um, the uh, the mid 80s to to the uh, late uh, 2010s. 
And uh, and over that time, of course, the thing that emerged uh, most uh, prevalently in my teaching practice was uh, the digital world. Uh, and over the you know the first few <laughs> first couple of decades of my career, you're working with with uh, senior students in high school, uh, utilizing primary documents in your in your classroom, and taking them on field trips such as we once were able to do, uh, and you know putting them in situ in museums and and really getting them to interact with our with archival materials and artifacts, all as part of uh, the curriculum, not as an add-on to the curriculum, but really as part of what I did in the classroom. So they're looking at attestation papers and they're looking at, um, you know, uh, uh, militaria and they're dealing with uh, uh, original documents such as we could through museums. And then the digital world happens and uh, all of a sudden this, this explosion of data uh, and archival materials that you can get through the internet and once it arrives in your classroom, uh, and it did for me probably, you know, 2007, 2008, um, I started to to integrate that as soon as I could into the practice uh, of, uh, of teaching history. Um, and of course, it's a slow rolling kind of thing. It doesn't happen overnight. You're, you're mm -hmm. teaching yourself, you're training yourself. And what I did in that last third of my career was I introduced a program uh, really innovative, uh, uh, I think at the time. Now, it, you know, to describe it now, it sounds a little dated, but uh, when I introduced it, it was called the Digital Historian Project. And the idea was to take uh, students and put them um, in, a, in, a, in a situation where they uh, could do a lot of their own research uh, using primarily uh, military uh, records that Library and Archives Canada was making freely available at the time. And then also working with some university professors on data that they had been uh, data sets that they'd been building uh, around First World War soldiers, um, and getting our kids to do uh, you know some basic analysis and basic interpretation of of um, documentary evidence. And now you know that pro that project. Um, I had kids in that for four years. We worked. Um, we have a semester system, of course, so we had kids for an entire semester working in a museum and utilizing all this material uh, through um, through some very basic platforms that we had at the time. And we designed uh, programs that, uh, you know, allowed kids to do commemorations of individual soldiers from the First World War. Second World War uh, data just wasn't available and still in large measure isn't available unless they're KIA um, records. So uh, it was primarily First World War. And what had occurred to me was that, you know, if we were doing all this work, we needed to take those kids on trips. Mm -hmm. And um, at the time, battlefield, battlefield tours for young people were kind of a new thing. Um, we, would, we would put together tours to take them, obviously, to Vimy Ridge uh, and to Passchendaele and uh, to um, Ypres, Ypres uh, mm -hmm. in Belgium, and then bring them across northern France, sort of doing a reverse Canadian First Army um, experience, hmm. uh, traveling uh, westward across northern France to get to Normandy so that we can introduce them to the Juno Beach Centre. Mm -hmm. And uh, Juno Beach Centre, of course, had been opened in 2003, uh, built by veterans, for veterans, right on, well, within 50 meters of, of, uh, hmm. of, uh, of the surf. 
And it became incredibly important to get kids to uh, begin to work with uh, the uh, a team at the Juno Beach Center as well. And because of the internet, now we could do that. So uh, out of all of that, John, what emerged was um, kind of a new way of teaching <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, where kids had a lot of agency over their own learning. Uh, I, as much as the, I was the history teacher, in many respects, I took a back seat to um, allow kids to begin to explore, um, you know, a lot of a lot of first person experience that soldiers had, principally First World War, but slowly, um, you know, through oral history and meeting a few vets who were still alive at the time, we were able to uh, introduce uh, Second World War stories. And working with Juno Beach became a lot easier because they had access to a built-in network of some really remarkable vets who were still around at the time. And uh, and and uh, at some point, John, uh, the provincial government took notice, and they they uh, were kind of intrigued at how we were integrating, you know, mathematics and statistical analysis using uh, well, basically data management math mm -hmm. with the kids uh, and building that into the historical work that we were doing. And they kind of, you know, kind of told some great stories about the program that I was teaching and the kids uh, we were uh, we were working with. And eventually the federal government took notice as well. And uh, as I approached retirement, the federal government asked whether I'd be interested in scaling this uh, kind of teaching up so it would be available nationally. Um, of course, in Canada, federal government is, national government is not, um, is not endowed with the right of education as it is in other uh, in other countries. Mm -hmm. um, the federal government doesn't have a big footprint in, in national education, but they were very interested in the commemorative work we were doing. So Department of Canadian Heritage um, made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Mm -hmm. And uh, and when I retired, um, Finding Moments Canada was born out of that teaching experience. And very much uh, we've stayed true to the principles of the digital historian project um from um you know from over a decade ago now mm. the the background as an educator lends itself well to uh what we're talking about today which is leading peoples of different uh backgrounds and and cultures in various places, wherever that may be, you led students on on these tours. Uh, both of us have have led students and adults uh, around historical sites in some capacity before, and it's a, always a a great experience because you get to see how people ingest historical knowledge, and you can see the critical thinking skills uh, turning in their heads. And I think that's a beautiful thing to watch because you see it uh, develop in front of you, where people are seeing a site for. The first time or maybe the, the the hundredth time but they're seeing it differently with uh educators uh yeah. that they've never heard from before is that why you wanted to pursue uh this initiative to get canhist uh to get the tours up and running in more of a larger capacity because of that background teaching those students across europe uh or the you know, Canadian students going across europe I yeah think. well it, and it's an interesting question john because um there's a number of variables, number of factors that go into this. If you if you talk to the terrific team at Juno Beach, which I know you're going to be doing and, and working closely with in mm -hmm. the next few months, they'll tell you that that um, you know their 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 um, data analysis shows that really very few Canadians go to uh, the Juno Beach Center. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And I and that's pretty much replicated in other uh, important uh, sites, you know, of of military significance in, in Canadian history in Europe. Um, probably, you know, probably Vimy is the most attended mm-hmm. uh, by Canadians uh, and uh, possibly Passchendaele and other First World War um, sites in northern France and Belgium through Flanders. Uh, but when you get to Holland, for instance, not a lot of Canadians, uh, uh, you know, pursue the the route of liberation that uh, Canadians did in 1944-45 and visiting those sites. So we knew very quickly that that we had a, um, I had kind of a mission to design uh, a program and ultimately design tours that would deliver uh, opportunities to Canadians to go to places they'd never been to before and have that, you know, that very rich experience that you just described so well of seeing things for the first time. And, and, you know, if you, if you take the Canadians to Vimy Ridge, the place that they've seen on the back of their $5 bill, uh, and, you know, perhaps witness the heritage minute or some other, some other thing. I mean, they are, they're just absolutely blown. Uh, there, there's, there's no way that you want to talk to people (laughs) on Mm -hmm. a tour as they arrive at Vimy Ridge and as they, climb because of course it is a ridge so mm-hmm. one of the things they, they notice right away is the climb mm-hmm. uh to precipitous climb up to the ridge where the monument is um you know situated right on the front lines it's um yeah i don't talk to them i let them have that that very very important moment um where they come to grips with it and the astonishing thing john is whether it's a 15 year old or whether it's a 50 year old they all have that same that same moment that same very, very emotional, uh, very powerful connectedness. And it happens, um, you know, in, in, if, if you walk the trench lines in Belgium and it happens, if you, if you're standing at Juno beach as well, they, they really do get the sense of, of the power of place, uh, mm-hmm. and the stories that they may only peripherally have really understood throughout their lives or heard from grandpa or heard from great uncle, uh, or even just, you know, read, uh, through social media. Uh, those stories really, you know, really swirl. Uh, mm-hmm. You 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 find participants on the tours; uh, their heads are really swirling with with all those stories, and they realize, maybe for the first time in their lives, the significance of Canadian history, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and that we are, you know, our footprint is much bigger than than our national uh, imagination would allow us to have. When you get to Vimy Ridge or when you get to Juno Beach, and I want everybody, whether they're 50 or 15, to have that experience. So it became very much part of my, you know, part of my uh, modus operandi to design tours where I could give people those uh, aha moments. That's fantastic because it it goes right back to your work digitally where you're trying to make the past accessible. And you're yeah. trying to do it again with this uh, in that way. You're trying to give them access to this and, and yeah. those who can help to have a dialogue uh, at the right time. And, and I'm totally in agreement that you should let them have that climb to Vimy or that moment on Juno Beach in a quiet atmosphere uh, for the first few moments to just take it all in and ingest it. And, and it allows those wheels to turn uh, really and, and really starts a great dialogue afterwards, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but the 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 tour in October isn't uh, a military tour, and and it's it's interdisciplinary in that yeah. in that way, which I'm very yeah, excited well to talk about. And and uh, Northumbria to Normandy is the tour in October, and I'm I'm really fascinated by it because it 
I think I said this before, it touches all the bases in, in a way, you know, if you're into certain aspects of architecture or archaeology or uh, even military history, as we'll talk about, you have a home on this tour. And that's what I'm really excited about. Can you let everyone know uh, where this idea for North Northumbria to Normandy as a tour came from? Well, John, it came, uh, you know, it came from my wandering around Europe, um, sometimes aimlessly, um, you know, just just exploring things um, and realizing so fast, you know, how multi-layered um, European history is and uh, that it doesn't take much digging, both figuratively or literally to, um, you know, to uncover and expose um, yourself to uh, uh, histories that, that uh, you know, are are germane to the location you're standing in, in the footprint you're in. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then also so connected and interwoven to uh, fairly recent history. So, uh, you know, I find myself, uh, you know, traipsing around Northern England about uh, six years ago. And I, you know, wow, I, I, I want to, I want to find, you know, I want to find the paths that, um, you know, previous, previous, uh, um, Britons walked along and the more you, uh, the more I did research, the more I discovered, you know, how so many of those paths are Roman in origin. Mm -hmm. And that led me to, uh, you know, to Hadrian's wall and Hadrian's wall, of course, uh, still exists in so many sections across the 73 uh, miles that it, that that it once stood. Uh, so there are very tangible sections now that you can walk along and to a certain extent on top of. Uh, and I had exactly the same experience, John, that I had when I was at uh, Vimy or any other place. And that is, you touch those stones, um, you know, and you stand in those in those footsteps, figurative footsteps, and you are standing with history. You are walking with with history. Um, and it doesn't take long to really let that settle deeply inside of you. If you're somebody who, you know, is open to the stories and open to the experience of, of, uh, experiencing, of getting history firsthand. So I walked, uh, you know, I walked sections of the wall and I did it just myself. And, uh, and I realized that this was, um, an experience I'd love to share with others because what it does, just as you said, is it introduces you to incredible architecture to um, a very rich history associated with the wall uh, region, which is known as the border. Uh, border history in the, you know, in the in the 16, 17, 1800s was very, very um, contentious. Uh, lots and lots of fighting back and forth, not necessarily between Scots and British, but between, in many cases, families, rival families, clans mm -hmm. uh, for domination of the land. And of course, because it's Hadrian's Wall, it is the high point, it is high up. And, uh, and that was uh, desirable from, you know, from for all kinds of reasons. So you you get introduced to that history. And then you realize that this is there's also a, a religious element to this, because it's very much a pilgrim's way as well. And there are abbeys and there are priories and, um, you know, and significant um, uh, religious and sacred destinations that a lot of people venture to. So very much I visited those as well. And there's there. They're absolutely part of the itinerary that we're uh, that we're exposing uh, our travelers to in England. Mm -hmm. And then I want to take them to the city of York, which is a two thousand year old city. It was, uh, you know, it was uh, consecrated in AD seventy one. Uh, there's a beautiful statue right in down right downtown, right in the middle of of uh, of York to Emperor Constantine. Mm -hmm. uh, and 
York Minster Cathedral itself is just a magnificent cathedral. It's a walled city. It's a very walkable city right on the River Ouse. Um, and then, uh, you know, we'll take a ferry across the North, the North Sea to uh, Holland uh, just to get us to Europe. I think taking a ferry uh, ride is is an interesting experience. I've done it a number of times. It's an overnight. Um, it gives you a chance to really uh, internalize and to use your term ingest mm -hmm. the experience you've just had. And then we, um, you know, well, then we make our way to Normandy and we're going to uh, do a lot of walking in Normandy um, on the beaches, certainly um, get introduced to uh, the D-Day story uh, as, it, as it is told uh, not just the Canadian story, but the American and British story as well, the whole Allied story, the 100 days of the Battle of Normandy, uh, and then make our way to Paris to wrap up the trip. So it's, um, it's a, it's a, it's, it, there's a lot of access points, as you say, John. There's a lot of different kinds of history and cultural experiences. We're going to eat like kings and queens, I think, the whole way. Um, <laughs> and over the course, yeah, <laughs> and over the course of 15 days, you know, really see things that you, that, I say to people are a bit off the beaten um, path. They're not things that you would find on most tours. Uh, walking Hadrian's Wall is not a, a common experience for Canadians. And because my company has been called Defining Moments, I, I see it as an opportunity for people to have a moment of definitional importance uh, to really learn about a history that we're not acquainted with. Mm -hmm. That's why uh, you and I, work well together on some things because we're trying to give the, give our audiences something different to think about because we don't want to be exactly like anyone yeah. else. We don't want to be like understanding their notes so we can do something similar. We're trying to do something uh, different, but yet still so engaging and, and hitting some uh, checking some boxes that aren't normally yeah. checked. And I think that's very important for the accessibility issue because some people uh, say, well, I don't want to go on this uh, a tour for military stuff because I'm not into military stuff. But you might be able to make it more about historical memory or or some other issue facing uh, civilian populations in the area, et cetera, instead of the grand old tactical things yeah. that we hear so many talking about, not knocking it. Uh, I'm, I'm a traditionalist. I, yeah. I get it. I tip my cap. But it's just not for me. And I know that uh, you're in a similar uh, vein of thinking too, where, uh, obviously, uh, you tip your hat to tradition, but we like to give people something different to discuss, uh, because we have all that time on the, on a ferry or in a bus. Yeah. Want to have those conversations. Yeah. And it matters a great deal, John, I think when you're walking as well, and this is the, um, you know, the power of the power of the amble, <laughs> uh, mm. you know, to, to take the time um, talk with other people on the tour, um, you know, walk the three miles. We're never going to walk more than three miles a day. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and that's largely, uh, <clears throat> you know, an acknowledgement that we want people to not take a pedestrian approach to it, but to, you know, to take a, um, a, a sort of moderate pace to your day. And rather than sitting on a bus uh, or a coach tour, um, you know, really, really have that firsthand interaction with what you're doing, uh, what you're seeing and, and to walk it, you know, really makes a difference. And, uh, uh, to your point, John, I think this year we've seen as far as Hadrian's wall is concerned, a really interesting experience that, that, uh, a lot of people would have, would have not have noticed. 
<clears throat> when along the uh, path of the wall, uh, there is there has been for 200 years uh, a singular tree that, um, for all kinds of reasons, became iconic. Um, it's a sycamore tree, and it grew for no particular purpose or no particular reason in a spot along the the wall, um, a spot where the wall actually was quite is quite low. It's not um, you know it's no longer a fortification by any stretch of the imagination. It's very much a low. Uh, barrier <clears throat> crum crumbling in certain areas and this tree grew uh, into you know a remarkable shape i mean it just became a beautiful beautiful sort of perfect tree mm -hmm. and there was nothing else around it and eventually national trust who operates uh the the land and monitors and preserves the wall itself uh came to do everything they could to protect this tree this past fall somebody cut it down Mm -hmm. the sycamore tree and i happened to be there about two weeks after the uh, uh the, the the desecration of this singular tree took place and i i walked to this spot on the wall it's not um it's not a long walk but a mile and a half to get to it and you know i i was there on a tuesday i think john with um probably 25 30 people who had made a tre the trek as well. And they were, you know, they were so moved to stand where this tree had been cut down. Mm -hmm. uh, some people in tears, some people, you know, absolutely um, devastated that uh, this iconic tree had been cut down. And I wondered, you know, at the time, I wondered, like, why are people so drawn to this singular tree on Hadrian's Wall that forces you to walk a long way to get to it? You can't really sit under it and have a picnic. But a lot of people had gone there, you know, with their, their spouse to be, and there'd been an engagement, uh, a ring mm -hmm. exchanged. A lot of people had gone there at moments in their lives where it really mattered. And I was just struck by the power of the narrative around that tree being cut down and what it stood for. If anybody listening, you know, they might remember a, a kind of a bit of a, I won't call it a bad movie, but. It wasn't a great movie. Uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, back in the mid-90s with Kevin Costner doing an impossible English accent. Um, <laughs> that's Robin Hood. But if you, if you remember the movie, he actually is, he climbs this tree at one point in the movie. And uh, Morgan Freeman appears as a, as a Moorish character uh, coming down the, the wall at one point uh, in the scene. And um, you, you might remember the tree from that from that mm -hmm. uh, experience or from mm -hmm. seeing that movie. But there's no question that what I saw there were was an indication of how deeply, deeply that wall is embedded in the psyche of the English. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not because it was Roman. It's not because it uh, is anything other than a modern day uh, symbol, a very, very iconic symbol in that tree came to represent peace. I think it came to represent all kinds of, of um, positive experiences that people had in their lives. And to see it cut down, of course, was was devastating. I actually got here, uh, um, I brought home a piece of the tree. Because <laughs> you know? wow. pe people were picking up boughs. They were picking up seeds. They were picking up, uh, in some cases, they were picking up whole limbs hmm. to take home. So, hmm. you know, when I saw that, John, I thought, my gosh, this is something uh, uh, Canadians would really be blown away by. Yeah.
it really does show the power of place and memory. Yeah. Uh, just that singular tree. And there'll be a lot of moments like that on the, on the tour, I'm sure where that's, there's going to be a, uh, you know, a, a memory come back or a new memory begun by, by this, uh, dare I say, defining moment. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> a little punny here. Uh, who are some of the characters that are going to, I use the term characters, who are some of the characters that are going to be on this tour, Neil, who are going to help uh, uh, those who are attending understand this kind of history? Well, you're the number one character, uh, John. <clears throat> or, uh, character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're blessed to have you. I think um, I think it's going to be great to have you along uh, and, you know, frame frame a lot of um, a lot of the work that you're doing uh, today and a lot of the experience that you have um, giving tours over, you know, over decades um, for this for this group of Canadians. Um, uh, I, I love the notion that. Um, you know, uh, uh, an expat American such as yourself can come along and bring, you know, bring your, bring the wealth of your experience. Um, and I hope people, you know, who follow you will, will, you know, be inspired to come along uh, because of that. Um, our tour guide is Rebecca Grimes, who's a, a, a bilingual uh, teacher, history teacher from uh, Fergus, Ontario. And Rebecca is a world traveler. She's, she's, there's aren't very many places in Europe that uh, Rebecca hasn't been to. Uh, and, uh, of course, having somebody bilingual along, along with us uh, makes our experiences in France a lot, uh, a lot easier. Mm -hmm. uh, and Rebecca loves introducing people to, um, you know, to life in Normandy because she lived in France for quite a while. So uh, we'll be excited to learn from, from Rebecca. Um, Anna Gray is uh, going to be our tour guide in Northumbria. Uh, Anna Gray is um, one of the most experienced uh, tour guides uh, in Northumberland. Her wall history is uh unparalleled uh, as her as is her border um you know her border uh, uh skirmish history mm -hmm. she has a wealth of uh, of uh, experience uh teaching people through her tours about uh what the wall meant uh you know in recent in recent memory not just 2000 years ago but 200 years ago mm -hmm. uh so anna's going to be with us for the four and five days that we're in uh, northumbria which I'm excited about, um, and uh, and and of course uh, I think the complexion of the tour, the travelers who are already registered, is really interesting. We have a lot of folks from across Canada who will bring uh, you know their own personal stories, and I always encourage John the the folks who come and travel with us to bring their stories with us. Um, uh, it, it it's it's a richer tour when somebody uh, who has a you know, a lineage that dates back to Yorkshire can tell us about that. Uh, when somebody who has a, an uncle or an aunt who, who served uh, at, um, you know, with Canadian forces or with any allied forces um, uh, uh, after 1944 can bring that story along. Mm -hmm. um, I've got a, a brick here. Uh, um, it's, a, it's a facsimile brick of the bricks that are dedicated at uh, Juno Beach to um, the memory of loved ones who served. And um, the Juno Beach Center is always eager to have people, you know, host little ceremonies and tell the stories of their loved ones who are being honored with a brick at the, uh, in, in, in the plaza in front of the Juno Beach Center. Hmm. So I like to say that the, when, you, when you mention characters, that really the entire tour will be characterized by the characters hmm. who, are, uh, who are among us. 
And, um, you know, very much by the time the tour is over, I think we'll be a, uh, you know, a ship of equals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I love that idea, Neil, in that uh, it's not a couple historians talking at people. It's a it's an idea of a discussion amongst everyone, uh, bringing their own stories on the bus with us and and uh, walking along the wall and discussing if they had ancestry in that area, et cetera. Uh, that's been a, a huge thing amongst a lot of us who are talking about accessibility is a lot of people feel they've been shut out from the conversation. Yeah. Uh, they don't feel like they have enough education or they don't have enough uh, whatever uh, experience. But yeah, we we can provide them with something where they can have more of a discussion and no one's talking at anyone. Everyone's talking with each other. I think that's yeah. a beautiful thing. Yeah, it, it, it really, I mean, this comes from my history as a, in my history, no pun intended <laughs> as a teacher uh, where the classroom has to be invitational. Um, you know, learning happens when you're invited to learn. Learning doesn't happen when you're hit over the head, except the wrong kind of learning. Hmm. Um, you know, it has to be an invitational experience. So um, I, I'm going to hold up a card here for a wonderful pub, uh, the Mile Castle Inn along, uh, along Hadrian's Wall, where hopefully at the end of the day, people can sit and share their, their, their you know, the stories um, that, that have mattered to them. Uh, I want people to use what they're seeing as, uh, you know, as a catalyst to uh, tell stories that either they've not wanted to tell or haven't felt there was an audience to tell or even within their own family, haven't, you know, haven't uh, felt confident enough that the history matters, that the stories matter. Um, and, and yeah, you're absolutely right. We never want people to, uh, to be shut out uh, as much as we can do to encourage people to speak, to use their voice, to have maximum agency. Um, you know, why, why else would you spend $7,000 to travel to Europe for 15 days if you didn't, get to tell a story and come home, um, you know, kind of bathing in the stories of everybody else that were on the, on the tour as well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, that, that is a real, uh, great value for a tour of this size, uh, and length. And you're getting multiple people who are leading the tour and you're getting a lot of amenities and, and the itinerary is chocked full of stuff. Uh, Tell us about that and, and and how this is a really valuable uh, tour, not number one, but how it's a value for for people because there are a lot of uh, tours out there that aren't touchable by many people. This one is is more accessible in that way. Well, uh, John, you know, I I always say as a businessman now, uh, history teacher once, businessman now. Um, to give people the experience that I hope that they'll come away with um, should not be a punitive, um, you know, a punitive experience. They should have the opportunity to be able to do it at a price that is affordable. Um, when it, when we took the young people to, I, I and I've done a lot of tours, as you know, John. Mm -hmm. When we took the young people to Europe, we did our best to keep the price point at a, at a, at a reasonable rate so that young people could, um, you know, so as many young people could, could have that experience as possible. And of course we did a pile of fundraising <laughs> in, mm -hmm. in those years too, to help kids along. But for the adult tours, it's the same principle. I want everybody to feel that uh, they're going to get a maximum experience for a reasonable and fair price. 
So seventy three hundred dollars is the um, you know is the uh, is the cost. It's based upon twin occupancy. So somebody coming along for seventy three hundred dollars would understand that they're going to share a room uh, with mm -hmm. somebody. And European uh, hotels and 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 uh, guest houses uh, are you know they don't have the same number of single accommodations available that North American uh, destinations do. Uh, they really do believe in shared accommodation. Uh, but if you're coming with a spouse, or you're coming with a partner, or you're coming with a best friend, that's perfect for you to share a room anyways. Mm -hmm. If you wanted a, a single room, there is the additional cost uh, associated with getting a, a single supplementary uh, sort of premium for, for those accommodations. And lots of people do like to do that. And we certainly make that happen for them. But the $7,300 includes your flight. Uh, it includes a bunch of meals uh, that we've built into the, uh, to the cost. It includes, of course, the luxury coach you're going to be taking, and then the accommodations in uh, in uh, again in in places that you might not ordinarily stay at. We're going to spend those four nights uh, along the wall at a probably the most popular pub slash inn uh, along the wall uh, at a place called the Twice Brood. Um, it's uh, it's 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 you know it's very very close to the wall. You can get up in the morning and open your curtains and look up at the wall. And, uh, mm. and that's pretty special. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when we get to uh, France, of course, um, uh, we'll be staying in, in the medieval city of Bayeux, uh, which uh, is just a glorious, glorious city. There's history. Every, every, every step you take, there's, uh, um, you know, more than 2000 years of history there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, um, and then in Paris, we'll be staying uh, right along the Seine, uh, in the Latin Quarter, uh, literally within a stone's throw of uh, Notre Dame Cathedral. So, uh, you know, these are places that I've chosen because I know them. They're places that I've chosen because they're uh, they're not necessarily a holiday inn. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, they're they they have the culture and the ambiance of uh, the area in which we're staying, uh, and uh, and they're all. Fair and reasonable uh, 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 accommodations. So, I, I I would never hesitate to make comments about my competitors, but I would say that, um, you know, taking a Canis tour, taking a tour with us, I think you're going to get in every way, shape, and form the superior experience that you would if you were paying ten thousand mm -hmm. dollars. And there is uh, installment plan options, correct? There's different yeah. payments you can do. Yeah, yeah, we've got that. Uh, we've got that built in, and uh, it's a very easy registration portal. Um, you know, to to access through our website, and uh, I think it. I think the last person I spoke to uh, who registered said it took them a grand total of ten minutes. There you go. Even accessibility and registration too. So that's, that's good. Right. Uh, for anyone listening to the podcast, I will have a link in the podcast description. So you can just copy that link and go to the site if you're so interested to get more information on that. Uh, Neil, this is uh, a, a tour that is a one of the springboards into a future tour, I'm sure, because one usually leads to another, which leads to another. And, yeah. and it goes from there, hopefully. Uh, what are you looking forward to after this tour is done? Well, this is a bit of a departure year for us, John, because um, in the past we've done tours, uh, adult tours every two years mm. um, that we took a bit of a, there was an interruption obviously during the pandemic with that. 
Uh, we actually did have a fantastic tour planned for 2020, but um, Mr. COVID got in the way of that. So mm-hmm. we did, uh, we did um, that interrupted our, 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 our two year um, pattern. So this is a departure that we'll, we're, we're, we're going in 2024 on this uh, terrific tour in October, Northumbria to Normandy. And then in 2025, um, really just a matter of a few months uh, after we get back from this October tour, we'll be heading over to uh, Holland uh, for the um, VE Day 80 celebrations, 80th anniversary of the liberation of uh, the Netherlands, uh, of which uh, Canadians can claim, uh, um, you know, our, our stake in history as being the, the real liberators of the of the Dutch people um, in uh, in 1945, and we very much want to be there for May the 5th, which is uh, Independence Liberation Day uh, in Holland. Uh, we'll be situating ourselves very close to the uh, site where the uh, armistice was signed in Wageningen um, on May the 5th. Uh, we'll be in places where Canadians uh, uh, had uh, enormous uh, impact. Um, Throughout uh, in Walker and Island and the in the liberation of the island or what was left of the island, and then certainly following the path and the route um, uh, to the uh, to the east, uh, ultimately to Appledorn, and we're going to go to the city of Zwolle, which is a, a remarkable walled city from medieval times. Uh, there's a great Canadian story to tell about being in Zwolle, and uh, and obviously Arnhem and um, uh, and uh, and and visiting the uh, Canadian War Cemeteries. The, Commonwealth war graves, um, where uh, where so many of our uh, our boys lie, so it's a it's an exciting tour to situate it within the context of national celebrations that are going to be going on, uh, led by led by the Dutch, um, because the 80th anniversary, I think, no different from the 70th uh, or the 60th or the 50th, there wasn't a 75th necessarily because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, will be a, a joyous, joyous moment for the Dutch people who once again will extend their hands and and their warm embrace to Canadians who are able to make the trip back and uh, and and be thanked. Hmm. That sounds exciting. It, it, you're going to have a busy couple of years ahead, including this year. Yeah, I hope so, John. I really do, because uh, there's nothing like uh, there's nothing like a history tour to to get your uh, get your engines revving. Uh, and uh, and you know and I'll just I'll say this, John. I think um, I don't think it's different for for folks who uh, took our, your tours uh, around Gettysburg, which I never did, but I want to one day. Um, <laughs> I'll take you around. I'll take you around. <laughs> Good. You know when you um, when you get to live that history and you're standing in 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 the, those spots and you're walking in those footsteps, you never feel more Canadian, or you know in your experience, you never feel more American. Mm. Uh, than being connected to the history by by actually being there, so mm. um, you know it's a lot of work and uh, it's a tight timeline. But uh, my gosh, the reward is uh, is life sustaining. It just uh, mm. it keeps my engines revving, anyways. Exactly, and that's what it's all about. It's about keeping others, keeping that fuel on the fire with yeah. everyone to understand the past. Uh, how many, uh, are there a couple slots left on this tour, Neil? We, we need to, we need to fill the bus. Yeah. So we've got, um, uh, um, you know, there's, it's interesting because, um, the coaches that can, uh, can accommodate us on those rural English, English roads 
are not the big uh, are not the big coaches that you think about. I hope big not. Big fifty six seaters. Yeah. So uh, we're going to take uh, a maximum of thirty five people on the tour, John. Mm. Uh, and that's just because we we want to be all on one bus. Mm. I hate to have to break it into two buses because then we have to figure out a way to split uh, John Heckman in in two. Uh, <laughs> and that's not an easy. Uh, Easy world, thing to think about. Yeah, the world doesn't need nor one of me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't make a clone yet. So, yeah. um, so we're going to put a, cap, a hard cap on it at thirty-five, and uh, we're taking registrations every day. So I'd say we have a good ten spots left uh, that are open right now, and I'd love to see them filled as soon as possible so that we can, you know, close off that uh, that, uh, that 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 coach, and mm-hmm. tell our European operators uh, how many people are coming and. And and get the best rooms uh, in uh, in all the places that we're going to stay, and I can uh, make my reservations at the restaurants I want everybody to go to, and you know we can get uh, we can get uh, pride of place in those uh, in those uh, venues as well. Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great. So there is time, everybody, to still sign up. Uh, sign up as soon as you can, so Neil can make those reservations, though, and and uh, I'm sure you're going to get a lot out of this and. Uh, make sure that you bookmark Can Hist as well online because we're going to uh, Neil have to keep you updated on the 2025 stuff as well. So springboarding into another year already, thinking thinking that far ahead, which is what you need to do when you're doing this. Absolutely, wrestling. absolutely. <laughs> Neil, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate that, and thank you so much for having me on this tour. I'm really happy to uh, be coming on. It's an honor to be a, a tour historian on here. Uh, with this fine group of people. We're blessed to have you, John, and thanks so much, and thanks to your audience. I'll look forward to meeting a whole bunch of them when we uh, when we travel in October. I am too. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, my friend. All right. All the best. All the best.